This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So we didn't talk about the defense or the special teams at the beginning of the show, but we also didn't talk about Matt Ariza. What do we want to do first? Um, he, made, he made headlines for sure. It's kind of, for me... I compartmentalize. I always go offense, defense, special teams. So let's do defense. We'll save Matt Ariza for the very end so we can gush over him. One third of the game, Sal. One third ah, of the game. Love it. That's All right. Great. So defense, I think my biggest takeaway, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning of the episode. I was really impressed by the rookies, especially yeah. on defense. I think Kai Urielam, like I said, he was fine. Christian Benford has been really good, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. My expectations weren't very high for this guy, and I don't think that he is going to be like the starting cornerback on this team, but I think he gives them some really solid depth at a position where they really need some depth because it's maybe their most scarce position on the team, especially with Tredavious White still not practicing up to this point. And then you go down like even to more of the depth guys like Balen Spector was great. He led the team in tackles in that game. He was all over the place. So maybe he carves out a roster spot. Terrell Bernard, he was a third round pick. Like he's definitely going to make the team. The question with him becomes like, how can you get this guy on the field? Because he looks like a playmaker. He looks like a difference maker. You're not going to take Milano and Edmonds off the field, but how do you get him on? Because I don't think maybe he's fast enough to do like a big nickel type deal or ever take off like Taron or even Saran when he comes into that role. So I think he'll kind of be the primary backup linebacker to both Milano into Edmonds, but he might be good enough that he deserves to play somewhere else. I, I just don't know where that's going to be. Yeah. Two things. I think um, he really is kind of pushing Terrell Dodson for that position, right? I mean, Terrell Dodson is, he's, he is the main backup. He's the guy who can come in right away for either one, but I agree with you. I think maybe Bernard becomes that guy. Maybe you say you could play either, but I will point out he's really mainly been working at Mike linebacker, the middle, even though he's got a no, the will in the weak side with Matt Milano. So it really might be you get, if something happens, Milano Dodson goes in, something happens to Edmonds, Bernard goes in, but I love the, I love everything about this kid, the, the way he seeks out the ball. He's been very good in coverage and to answer your question, how you get him on the field. I do think he could play big nickel, but more in the run situation, big nickel, if you will, not in the pass situation, big nickel, but if they want to pass, you could have a guy that could cover. Whereas I think Saran Neal comes in when, you know what? They might pass it a little bit, but we'll have a big nickel just in case he has to come up and support the run. I think that's the difference between the two. I think you kind of go run first, pass second, big nickel, a guy like Terrell Bernard, he would be the strong side linebacker. He'd be the year AJ Klein this year is really what he would be mm -hmm. with coverability, <laughs> if that makes sense. I think that's how I would see him. Yeah, the only thing that thing I think scares me about that is if you kind of guess wrong. Because right. I think Saran Neal might be a little more flexible. Like mm -hmm. he can, in a pinch, 
be there to stop the run, but he can also, you know, flip his hips and start trying to cover somebody probably a little bit more seamlessly than Bernard could, but it's an interesting option. And it's a good problem to have on a defense that we think is going to be really good because same thing, you're not going to be able to keep everybody forever. Like eventually they're going to have to let people walk. And whether that's Edmonds after this year, maybe they move on from Milano. Once that contract starts to be, you know, like one of those things, he is giving them options. And I think that's ultimately what you, you, you hope for when you take a guy on day two, like the bills did with him on day one, the first round pick was Kyrie Elam. And you brought him up earlier that, you know, you thought he wasn't spectacular, but he was solid. He did what was asked. I agree with that. But I think that third down that he knocked down the pass in the very first series for the Colts was huge for him. Like we had seen some struggles at times in camp. He had been going against Diggs and Davis a lot. Here he comes out on the third play of the game after the bills go down inside the five-yard line and can't get a touchdown. They turn the ball over on downs. Here comes the starting offense with Matt Ryan at quarterback. They get to a third down. Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, a nice rookie that they drafted. And here's Elam going against him. He makes a fantastic play, shows patience, uses his length to come around, knock the ball down. I thought that really kind of set the tone for him to have a nice game and for people like me to go, okay, I think he's going to be okay. I think it's a confidence booster. I think yeah. it's human nature. Like, I think when you have that play that early in the game against Matt Ryan, for somebody who has been inconsistent in the summer, I think that to him says like, okay, I can do it. It's just like yeah. anything else in life. Like for us, we always use the golf analogy, but like you have a good first hole, you feel good about the rest of your round. You feel like you're going to have a good day. If you struggle out of the gate, then you feel like you're always playing catch up. He started his day strong. So I think that gave him some confidence throughout the rest of the first half when he was out there. It wasn't perfect after that there were some mistakes he got lost in coverage a little bit but that's also going to happen that's kind of life transitioning from the college football scene to the nfl and i think this is why you know dane jackson we talked about like he was off to the side i think the bills have the luxury of kind of easing elam into it if tredavious white is healthy and ready to go if he's not then guess what trial by fire dude you're out on the field it's probably going to be him and it's going to be dane jackson but if tredavious white's ready to go let Elam get some snaps here and there, and then let that number continue to go up until you ultimately think that he can surpass Jackson. But right now, I think they're probably a little bit more confident with him because my goodness, I know he wasn't perfect, but that guy was playing in the AFC divisional round for you last year. That guy was playing meaningful games. So for a team that starts with the gauntlet that they start with these first seven games, maybe they lean towards the experience, even though Dane Jackson's not like some veteran or something, but I think they lean towards the experience if Trey White is healthy. And that's still a big if. Like, we haven't seen him. We're recording this podcast the Monday after the preseason game. We haven't seen him in pads yet or in a helmet yet. So it, that's not a foregone conclusion at this point. Cam Lewis took the majority of snaps at nickel for Taron Johnson when he was in. It seems like he's pretty firmly entrenched in that spot, right? I don't, I mean, I, I know that there's a scenario where Cam isn't on the 53, but it seems like they really like him as that backup nickel guy. We talked about it. There's an alternate universe where Cam Lewis has always been the nickel on this team and Taron Johnson isn't, but he gets injured when that Kansas city game and then Taron comes back and he plays a phenomenal season and he gets a contract extension. So I think Cam Lewis is probably best suited in that spot. I think he does have a little position versatility, which they appreciate. And I think this might be the year that Cam Lewis, you know, makes the 53 man roster gets on the field a little bit more than we thought. And, you know, is one of those depth guys on this team for years to come. All right, so in the front seven, I don't know anything noteworthy that you wanted to talk about, but I want to focus on one guy who didn't get a lot of snaps, but he was amazing early on, and that was Tim Settle. Mm -hmm. Tim Settle was incredible in this game. I want any fan to go back and watch Tim Settle. Focus on him on the game broadcast. 
the guy was doing work against a really good Indianapolis offensive line. We're talking about Pro Bowls, all pros, at guard, at center, and this guy was wrecking them. And, I mean, if he can play like that in the regular season, holy cow, what does that mean for the rest of the D-line? Well, look at how good that Colts offensive line is. Look what he was able to do. And that was not being next to both Ed Oliver and Von Miller. Can you imagine kind of the penetration that that line would be able to generate if you had all three of those guys? Oh, and by the way, Greg Rousseau. So I think that I still need to see kind of how they mesh together. I still need to see it in an actual regular season game, but I am much more confident about the defensive line as a unit this year than I was last year. I think last year I still had a lot of questions. I was still like, okay, what does star Latula Lele have coming off of a COVID season that he didn't play? What does Jerry Hughes have left in the tank? What about Mario Addison? Like, I have some questions about Von Miller, but my questions aren't about this year. My questions are how long can this guy play? Not how impactful can this guy be this year? And oh, by the way, Basham maybe had the biggest play of the entire game. So that's a good sign. Epinesa is kind of trending in the right direction. So that whole little group of the three of them, Rousseau, Basham, and Epinesa, they all seem to be kind of going in the right direction. And they've upgraded at defensive end on the URL not defensive end at edge rusher on the other side with Von Miller. So I think as a unit, that's going to be a really, really strong group for the bills. I'll also point out that Jordan Phillips didn't even play. He was one of those guys they elected to rest. So, I mean, uh-huh. we can read into that as well. Right. I mean, so we kind of see how that's shaking out. All right, Matt, I'll just, uh, I'll give you two words. You go ahead, Matt Ariza. I don't know if I can swear on the podcast, (laughs) but I will give you some full disclosure. Uh, Our friend Joe Biscalia loves punts competitions more than anything. So when Matt Ariza was punting his first punt in the preseason game, I was actually recording a video of Joe while looking at the punt in the air. And while I was recording the video, you know, we're in the press box. You're down on the field. The press box is usually pretty quiet. There's very rarely commentary that goes along with it. But while I'm recording the video, the punt goes off and one of our colleagues, I don't even know who, but somebody just said, Holy bleep S H bleep bleep. (laughs) And it was so funny. So I still have the video and it's okay. We're going to now, now you and I are going to break down this video to figure out who said it. That's what I I want to do. There was like an audible gasp from some people, I think myself included. And then that's like the last thing that happens. It's like, holy. And then you're like, okay, wow. And then you look back and then, you know, your friend who does the announcing in the press box, Brendan McDaniels. Yep. That's a 82 yard punt for Ariza, <laughs> 82 yards. And we're all just like laughing. It's just like, oh my God, I don't care about the hang time. It was 82 yards. Like, I know that there's more to it than just kicking the ball super far. But I think at this point, I, ha- I won't say that he has completely won the job, but he's got like a 21 point lead with five minutes left in the game. Like he, it would take a lot for him to not be the punter on this team. And oh, by the way, the holds were good. And I know that was the thing that we've talked about. And I, that's how good the bills are that we have to talk about the holding aspect of it. So yeah, it was 82 yards. I saw a stat and it doesn't count because it's the preseason, but an 82 yard punt, if it were to happen in the regular season would have tied the longest punt since 2013. It's amazing. He really does have just a, an incredible natural leg, right? I mean, like that's what it is. He's, he's got this incredible God given talent 
with this leg. And the question is, can he put it in a certain spot when they need him to put it in a certain spot? Because I want to give a little love to Matt Hawk here. He did that. He did. Matt Hawk had a 38-yard net. That's not great. But you know what he did? He pinned him inside the – he put it at the 12-yard line. He yeah. pinned the Colts inside the 20. That's what he's expected to do. But as nice as that is, to have the option, to have a guy back there who can boom at 80 yards, over 70 in the air, is always great. People were talking about you know the hang time and what that matters. It doesn't matter when the return man literally has to turn around and sprint to his own end zone like he's chasing a Willie Mays fly ball to center field. Right. I mean, like it, that's exactly what actually Mays was the one who did it. Like Willie Mays chasing a fly ball in center field. Like that's what happened. So that, that doesn't matter. By the time he goes back and gets the ball, it won't matter. Like outkick the coverage and all that. I don't care about that right now. What I care about is the fact that this guy can flip a field mm-hmm. for a 62 yard net difference. That's mm-hmm. incredible in the NFL. Yeah. And I think that I want to caution everybody because this is the same conversation we were having before Tyler Bass's rookie year. There will be growing pains. Like yeah. it's just going to happen. There's going to be probably some shanks. There's going to be some punts that give off big returns because they didn't have enough hang time. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to live with that until you ultimately get to the best version of Matt Ariza. Tyler Bass has become one of the best kickers in the NFL but at the beginning of his career, he looked pretty shaky. Now, I think that almost every Bills fan would say that they have confidence if Tyler Bass had to kick a kick for, you know, a kick with a couple seconds left to ultimately seal a game. I think they would be confident with that. With Ariza, there's going to be growing pains. That's okay. You just kind of got to live with it. And if you're going to have to live with those growing pains, it's nice to have one of the offenses that's expected to be one of the better ones in the league. So that's kind of just the reality of it. And you brought up the holding. We know that's an issue or at least a, a competition. It's part of this whole deal. I think on the first snap, I haven't gone back and rewatched from field level. It did look like the first snap was a little low and he had to go down and get it and then put it back up. And that was a really nice test. That was the very first extra point. So I have to go back and see if that's the case. That was that's what it looked like to me. It was kind of on the ground. He had to get down. He had to get it up to the right spot. But the pressure of the situation of a game-winning kick was also interesting. I mean, it's not, it's not just... Uh, rainbows and roses all the time. I mean, he had to get that ball in the right spot for Tyler Bass to kick a 46-yarder to win the game. I mean, my hands get like sweaty if I got to make like a three-foot putt on the last hole to win $20. And this dude's, you know, out in front of all these people. I'm imagining he's nervous, and I think that's human nature. So I think that he did a good job making sure that there wasn't a mistake. Holding is one of those things where it's kind of like we won't notice something wrong until something goes wrong. And... He didn't give us the opportunity for any of that to happen. Even if Bast would have missed a kick and it wasn't his fault, there would probably be people out there who would be like analyzing his holds and be like, eh, well, he could have turned it a 100%. little faster. could have been 100%. more. But Bast did him some favors by making all of those kicks. And especially given the way it ended, like it, it was, I know he only had the one punt, but it was about a perfect debut for Matt Ariza. Did you, weren't you the one in the locker room who asked him which one he was more nervous for? Yeah, that was me. And he said it was, he started to say the punt and then he caught himself. He was like, I think it was the punt. Well, actually it was probably the same. Right. And I think, I actually think that kind of speaks volumes to like the duties of the job. Like punting is this dude's kind of like bread and butter. And of course there's more eyes on that. But I also think he realizes that the holding aspect of it does mean something, especially to him. By the way, let's go back to you taking a video of Joe B in the uh, press box. I got to tell you, 
I'm always impressed. You TV girls and guys, like you're always thinking about the shot, the video shot. Like I wouldn't think about that. You know what I mean? Like maybe every once in a while I might just, it might come over me. Like you're thinking about that actively. I got to get a video shot here. That's what you guys do. It's crazy. I got to a point. So before I was the sports director at channel seven, I used to be on the sidelines for the game shooting video. Like you are with your stuff. And I got to the point when I knew that like, you, you know, you're kind of so career focused when I stopped thinking about like magnitudes of plays and thinking about if I got the shot or right. not. And that was like pretty eye opening to me. I remember being on the sideline for some of these just crazy Bills games and not thinking like, oh, my goodness, like Tyrod just hit a bomb to Sammy Watkins. But like, oh, I got the shot perfectly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. So, yeah, it's just kind of like the way your mind is wired when you work in a visual medium like television. You're always thinking about the shot not thinking about all the like, and that's honestly, it's a different thing, but it's audio. Like even when we started this podcast, you're an audio expert because you work in radio for a living. I don't know anything about audio because to me, it's always like, ah, eh, get the shot. Hopefully the mic works. To right. you, it's, that mic better work. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I wanted to commend you because I wouldn't think about that. So for you to have the presence of mind to do that, and I'm sure that's a great video uh, that you can, you know, have privately or whatever, maybe somebody yeah. share it out to people. All right. Uh, you want to answer some questions? Absolutely. Let's do it next. All right. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 